Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Ship It, the podcast where we discuss our favorite and not-so-favorite literary, TV, and movie couples of all time. We've been having so much fun with all of this, throwing in some classic love stories and some not-so-classic ones as well. And we wanted to dive into Jim and Laura from The Glass Menagerie. This couple really isn't even a couple, but shares a defining moment. So, do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hey everybody, I'm Devin. And I'm Steph. And welcome to the We Ship It podcast. Episode on Jim and Laura from the Glass Menagerie. Yes, this is the play by Tennessee Williams, and it is not your classic love story. In fact, it's not even really a love story at all. Um, But Laura and Jim's moment together speaks so loudly, even though it's short, and it makes such an important point and packs a specific punch that we really wanted to do some analysis. We did. As you... Thank you, Devin. <laughs> we did. We did. Um, as usual, don't forget, if you're planning to read this story, we always give a little spoiler alert um, and get to reading it because it's so short and so good. And there's so much in such a, a small little play. It's so beautiful. Or watch it on YouTube. It. it is there for you to watch. That too. That too. That. Um, but yes, um, with that, here's a brief summary. Um, so it starts with Amanda, a woman left by her husband, and she lives with her two nearly grown children, Tom and Laura. There is a huge picture of their father hanging in their living room, and Amanda perpetually lives in her mind, reliving her glory days when she had so many gentlemen callers. Her daughter, Laura, is slightly crippled, and her son, Tom, is a dreamer wanting to leave his home and his job at the warehouse to follow his father's footsteps, abandon his family, and chase his adventure. (laughs) The plot mainly centers around him, sometimes showing Laura hiding from people getting in trouble with Amanda for her awkwardness or dropping out of school because of her nerves. (laughs) Eventually, Amanda, obsessing over getting Laura married, begs Tom to bring home a nice work friend for her. He brings home Jim O'Connor, who Laura knows and secretly loved in high school. Eventually, the two end up together alone and talking like old friends. Jim brings a side out of Laura no one has seen before, kisses her, and then remembers he has a fiancé and leaves her. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Laura is shaken, but she gives Jim a gift of one of her glass ornaments as if to thank him. Lastly, Tom leaves his family behind. What a freaking story. Right? You know, Williams has been known to write great family dramas that just gets into all of these different dramas that occur the hidden, between the behind people the that live doors. together. Exactly. And and this is one of my absolute favorite plays. I know I say that about a lot of the things that we're reading, but as far as <laughs> Well, plays there's a go, reason that we're doing them. Yes, this as far as plays go, this one really speaks to me. So, mm-hmm. with that, let's jump right in, Devin. Let's do it. Okay, so number one, if the story was told through Laura's perspective, how do you think it may have been different? What scenes would have been told? Maybe which ones wouldn't be? Um, so I feel like the narrative, if it were told through Laura's perspective, um, the audience would get a flashback or two to her high school years. Um, mm-hmm. We we would actually get to see more of her life in coping with her disability. Um Maybe a flashback to Jim and Laura's first run, and who knows? Um, but I would also, I would have liked to see, as this is a play presented in memory, how some of these scenes would have looked different um, if they were told from her perspective. Like, how would the story be not twisted, but just changed in the slightest to mm-hmm. show her perspective of it all? Um, 
Laura was just so timid and fearful of the world that it would have been interesting to see how she looked back on these times in her life. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, so I think like it definitely wouldn't have been the same. That's all that I can say for sure. I do think she would have focused on Amanda's freaking out mm. about the same amount as Tom did, but she would have been more forgiving and more afraid to admit her mother's like wrongdoing. There would have been basically. more of a like a loving side to that. Yeah, I think there would have. Tom was and, just and like so so rigidly against yeah. her. Yeah. It was horrible. And like obviously Amanda is hard to live with, but Tom was just hmm. always like mom it was like the whole like dramatic teenager thing but obviously it ends it. Up, yeah um but i think there would have also been a lot more nervousness and more in-depth perception of those around her mm-hmm. i don't think tom really takes too much um too, he doesn't take too much to heart he just kind of sees what happens and deals with it rather than really understanding and he's perceiving what's going on because he's a guy but also because he's freaking tom yeah um And I think the story would have been a lot more focused on their living room (laughs) and her glass menagerie. So I think it would have been a lot more center. Ooh, I would have liked to have seen a scene where she's like playing with them and like the creatures come to life or something. Like that would be cool. Me too. Like some kind of like hallucination. Yeah, because I mean, (laughs) Um, she might she might not be all there. No, I don't think she is, at least not in the beginning. Um, But I think that we also would have gotten further detail about her time with Jim, like you said, maybe Mm. some flashbacks, which I would have liked to to hear more about. Because they talk about it and they reminisce on it, but you don't really grab a full like. Right. The full picture. You don't get that. Um, But I also think, I think what sadly, if it was from her perspective, we'd have gotten a lot more self-deprecating thoughts from her, Um, focusing Mm. on her self-insecurity, like. I just get that, get that impression because, you know, she remembered, and Jim brings this up, she remembered the clunking of her brace in school more than she remembers some of her classes. Right. And that to me is just mm-hmm. like, it shows that her focus was on um, her insecurities. And I think that's what the story would have surrounded if it was from her her perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on. Is it Laura's fault that she is the way that she is timid in nature <clears throat> in a sense? No, (laughs) I don't think it's Laura's fault, like at all. She lives in an extremely dissecting home. Her mother like never lets her be who she is and never makes her feel beautiful or unique. She compares her to herself constantly. Um, She just relives Mm, her own memories and ignores Laura and her differences completely. So that kind of erases her significance and her uniqueness. And her brother, freaking Tom, is absorbed in himself. (laughs) She is never encouraged to self-love in any kind of way. The first person to see her is Jim. And her fears, you know, her fears never let her feel comfortable letting yeah. anyone treat her like that. And it's never it's never been something she's been comfortable with before. That's why Jim is so interesting. I want to hate him off the bat, but there are some qualities in their moment together that bring Laura to her feet in a way that she's mm-hmm. never been there before. And I hope after this that she can find confidence. And we're going to talk more about that later, what we think Laura is going to become. Um, I think maybe just one person having had faith in her in the past would have changed the way that she is. If Mm. only her mother did the same from early on, that would change everything, I think. What do you think? Yeah. So for me, I feel like it's a yes yes and no. Um, Mm -hmm. I think part of it stems from her relationship with her mother. Like you said, Mm -hmm. Um, her mother is overbearing at times and even dismissive of her even having a disability. Um, However, this way of thinking is what causes a buildup of pressure on Laura's shoulder. She tries to be normal where she's not normal um, because her mom wants her to be. 
Um, she feels like she has to live up to something. However, I also place the blame on Laura herself because she is too concerned about what other people think of her and her disability that she can't construct a future for herself. Um, she allows her stress mm-hmm. and the pressure to drive her away from her problems instead of towards yeah. them. Um, Amanda even remarks in a conversation with Tom, we have to be making some plans and provisions for her. She's older than you. Two years and nothing has happened. She just drifts along doing nothing. Yep. It frightens me terribly how she just drifts along. So we get that sense of like her mom has, her feelings are sound. Like I understand, like she should have these kind of um, worries about her daughter and wanting her to have a good life. But she also, so I see it as her mom, but I also see it as just Laura, like putting herself down. And like we mm-hmm. said earlier, like, um, when she talks to Jim about like how she was walking to school and like how she felt like it was just a loud thump of her yeah. of her um, leg and whereas he's like, oh, it was I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Like you're fine. Well, um, see, I see that, but you know how I feel about it is we all had insecurities in middle school, high school era. We were able to overcome it though because we had people in our lives who told to us, "No, you. you're valuable. You're yeah. loved. You're beautiful." And that's that's in part your. Yeah your caretaker's responsibility and her mother all she ever does is talk about how she used to be different than laura and laura's not normal she uses the word normal like a hundred times she's just Mm -hmm. like you why can't my children just be normal and it's like it's that mentality that i think just bears down on these two children eventually pushing tom to leave although he would have done it anyway because he's a freaking he's got his dad (laughs) in him but it also just drives Laura into herself, whereas it mm. drive it drives Tom out. It drives she closes Laura doors in. and mm-hmm. she doesn't allow herself to fully become a part of society. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, moving on. Next question. Tom makes the remark: "Man is by instinct a lover, a hunter, a fighter, and none of those instincts are given much play at the warehouse." Do you find this truthful? So I have mixed feelings here. Um, I don't agree with him in the sense that um, he doesn't choose a job that allows him to experience these Mm -hmm. instincts or feelings. We always hear that if you love what you do, it's not really work. And that's the idea here. However, I I will hand it to him and say that the warehouse is not the place for these human instincts. Um, When you feel like just a number to a greater system, you lose your passion, your sense of fight, your Mm -hmm. hunger for something greater. And you see this struggle within Tom throughout the play. Yeah, I think what he says is ultimately truthful in part. Like, I, the first thing I want to say is I don't think that this is an excuse for him to eventually avoid his responsibility no. in the way that he does. A warehouse no, does no, no. not really allow for a person to be a person unless that's where they want to be. It kind of mm-hmm. takes away your individuality because you're just working on a line with a bunch of people. And it it's not... It's unless like that's something that gives you joy to do that kind of hard work. Like obviously Tom is not that. Um, (laughs) So I the thing is, he doesn't just because he doesn't find adventure in the warehouse doesn't mean he can't find it elsewhere. He refuses to find it elsewhere. Mm. In fact, he spends all his money going to the movies instead of saving up like his mom says and going to do something useful that might actually feed his his obsession with those movies. Exactly. And avoiding responsibility will only make his eventual adventures less sweet. I'm sure his dad has regrets about leaving his family behind and he'll feel the same when he does that. I, at least I think so. And I, I think living a life of work doesn't 
that that doesn't sustain and fulfill you, um, it it, le- it does make it hard for a person. It leaves you wanting more, which mm-hmm. is where he is. That's where man yeah, is meant absolutely. to. Yeah, man is meant to experience like what Tom's talking about. He's meant to be curious, and he's meant to love, and he's meant to explore. So he's slightly right in what he's saying. But work isn't the only place to find fulfillment either. So he could easily have found it elsewhere if he tried. Correct. That's my anger with Tom. You're going to see that I have a lot of anger with Tom. But <laughs> I always have one character I latch on to. Right. Always the one. The poor soul. The, no, he is not a poor soul. Well, I, mean, I will for, argue that yeah, to my for death. For your anger to be thrown at him. <laughs> yeah, Watch Feel out. Feel my wrath. All right. Next question. Is it fair for Amanda to ask Tom to wait on his ambitions until Laura finds a husband? You know, I think it honestly is. And this might be an unpopular opinion in today's age. But, you know, the first thing I'll say, Amanda needs to do more to provide for her own family rather than sit on her ass. (laughs) Rather than sit on her butt and, you know, work with the DAR or whatever she's doing, because that's clearly not making enough for them to survive. Right. It can't all be put on Tom. It's not smart and it's not fair. Um, But I do think it's fair for her to expect him to pitch in, especially in this time where men were generally the providers and women didn't have much option. Tom should see that responsibility just like his dad should have. And I think it's fair of Amanda to ask at least that he provides something Mm -hmm. to the family. Um, Tom also feels no responsibility for Laura, which makes me sad. Like there are times where he's like, there are times where he like, it gets upset when she falls down or like tells his mom not to ex- don't expect too much from her because she's crippled like that, which is a ridiculous point of view. But he never sits down and says, here's what Laura needs. Here's what I'm going to provide for her because she mm-hmm. can't provide for herself. Amanda's constantly asking him to do the work um, for his sister that he should innately feel anyway, um, which to me, it shows that he obviously has some issues with family, but it doesn't and Jim, excuse him. And Jim him. sees that right away. He's like, if I were your brother, I would teach you things. I would, yes. I would show you to have courage. And so he yes. like immediately is like, I see, I see where Tom has gone wrong. And he's like, if I were, if I were in his position, I would totally change it. So I, exactly. I, I, I see that for sure. Um, exactly. But I hate this question. Part of me says, yeah, I get it. Um, he's the bread maker in the sense, and the two women need him to to provide for him, especially Laura, um, until she can find a husband to do so for herself. Um, he should also naturally want to be there for his family and not have right. to be asked to be there. Mm-hmm. However, counterpoint, um, this is his life. This is his life too. Tom is not happy where he is, and the nagging from his mother isn't helping. If he mm-hmm. were to continue down this path, I'm afraid to see what might have become of him. Mm-hmm. Also, Laura isn't doing anything for herself either. So Tom right. is just supposed to wait around and wait for her to decide to actually do something with her life. Like, I, that's just so painful yeah. for me. To it's see, a like, little awkward when she's like, you know, it, once your sister gets married, you can leave. But I understand it because his sister will, will die or go to an asylum if no one takes care of this girl. Correct. So he has and a responsibility. I agree with but that. I, but I'm also like, you're not trying to help yourself either. So right. I can't. I can't ask, waste my I, life. Yeah, I can't ask him to waste his life. Right. I don't know. It's hard. The problem. The problem really stems from you know, maybe it's not fair that she asked, but it's not fair that he doesn't assume the responsibility. Right. Yeah. I um, get that. Which, 
is a human contradiction in mm-hmm. itself, and a lot of people face it. And I think maybe Tennessee Williams talks about how in his own family he faced it. Mm-hmm. So that's why we get a lot of this. We get a lot of this, well, what is my owed responsibility as a family member when they're not really right. a family to me? That is a big question that comes out from Tennessee Williams, from this play, from a lot of different things, because it's true. It's the struggle of the individual in a group, Mm -hmm. because you're born in this group that gives you everything, that keeps you alive, basically, and then you're supposed to give back, but you're also supposed to live your life. And it's like, how in the world is Tom (laughs) supposed to figure that out? He can't, because he doesn't have the drive for it in his brain. Like, it just, it's just not there. But... Okay. Alas. I think, <laughs> alas, here we are. Uh, so question number five, and this question is really sad, but it's important that we talk about it. Yeah. How is Laura's father's presence felt even though he does not make an appearance in the play? So I personally find his, his presence is felt heavily throughout the play. While he's not a character that appears in the play, his lack of physical presence only heightens the character's impression on those that we do see. Um, mm-hmm. Tom is obviously the most affected. And as yep. he has the inner fear of turning out like his father and deserting his family, um, we see that come to life. Uh, Amanda constantly acknowledges his photo in the house as if he were really there. Um, and she fantasizes about the past and how he fooled her into um, when she even states like that innocent look of your father's that had everyone fooled. He smiled. The world was enchanted. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so, enchanted. Yeah. So and then lastly, we get Laura and Laura does not have that comforting father figure to guide, lead and protect mm-hmm. her from the world. So instead she fears how the world might treat her and remains closed up at home with her glass set. So it's just sad to see like, we get that her mother can't be the can't isn't the one that's supporting her. We get that Tom right. is the one that's supporting her, but someone that could have left too early to support her, and that's painful right. to see. It's very painful to see each of them and how they're impacted by it. And <coughs> I think Tennessee Williams makes it blatantly clear by making the this picture that is as large as life sitting there on the mantle, mm-hmm. watching over them. He's always watching, right? But you know why it is? It's because Amanda allows it. She could easily take that picture down Mm -hmm. and she could easily assume the father figure position because she has to, but she doesn't. Right. And his presence, his presence there, even in in just a picture, it makes it harder for them to move on. Mm -hmm. So there's no acknowledgement that he's gone, except for a few moments where then Amanda stops talking about what happened and refuses to move forward with her thoughts on it. So him leaving impacted the entire family. Obviously, Amanda can't get over it. Tom never really had anyone to to teach him not to leave. And Laura never had anyone to teach her how to like love herself. So each one of them is impacted differently. But him leaving placed them all in a stuck fate, their fate place, basically. He, he, he allotted them their destiny by seeking his own. You know what I mean? That's kind of a complicated thing to think about. But because he was so independent and had to live his life, he forced three other people not to be able to live theirs. Tom felt like he had to leave. I love the one um, line that Tom says, like, you can't, uh, what is it? Like, you can't um, be in a coffin and escape from it or something of those those lines. And then the the picture lights up. I'm like, (laughs) I'm dying. That's too funny. This is one of those plays that if you don't get the symbolism that's being shoved down your throat, then you probably weren't reading it right. Like, 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I love it. It is. It says a lot for sure. Moving forward, um, how does her parents' relationship impact Laura consciously and subconsciously? Yeah, uh, I think specifically it's more about how it impacts Amanda's personality and how that impacts Laura in a mm -hmm. trickle-down sort of sense. Um, you know, Amanda's fragile because her husband left her that she placed faith in and probably shouldn't have, um, and she is living in her past. And this living in her past is a negative force on Laura's life entirely. Mm -hmm. Laura's held to impossible standards for who she is, and it leaves Laura nervous and self-critical. While she is physically set back in a small way, she's also very intelligent, but is never allowed to come, that's never allowed to come out of her because of her nervous, nervousness that's implanted into her by her mother right. and her looming father. So it's not necessarily her parents' relationship that changed her. I think it's the absence of the her father, of which made her, fra which made Amanda fragile, which made Laura even more fragile, just mm -hmm. trickles down, you know? Um, for me, I see like her parents' marriage failed, and I think Laura fears the same for herself. She doesn't want to mm -hmm. fall for someone who will end up leaving her just like her father left them. Uh, right. I think she also fears not being loved at all because of her disability. Yep. I think she might feel like, well, my father left, thus he doesn't love me, so maybe I cannot be loved because of my disability. Like, um, right. I feel like that is her subconsciousness taking over. Um, right. But I agree with you. Like, it's a trickle-down effect. Like, the ruined marriage trickles down to Amanda, and it, then it trickles down to Laura. Like, it's the passing of generations. It just mm -hmm. floods the system. Um, and it's sad to see. Yeah, no, it's horrifying and sad to see, like, the direct effects of someone leaving and that's what what makes the end even more upsetting when you see tom leave it's like it's just this continued cycle yeah. but at least he didn't have kids the to ruin. like yeah well at least he didn't have kids yet to ruin so that's like true. he just ruined people who were already ruined so it's like it's really horrifically sad but it, it just <sighs> i <sighs> tom just follows in his father's footsteps and it, it's sad to see but ultimately i think we expected it from the very beginning from the fact that his father was looming there and didn't his father write to them he wrote like hello he wrote like a note that said hello goodbye and nothing else i don't remember it was something it was very brief but it was in the beginning maybe in one of the stage directions maybe that it was just a note that they received that said hello goodbye and it wasn't it was like nothing it was like he just left enough to linger and didn't leave enough to mean anything, mm -hmm. which is like exactly what he did in life anyway. But <laughs> moving on. Um, so next question. Is the dinner set up between Jim and the Wingfields more for Laura or Amanda? <laughs> uh, this, I feel like, is so for Amanda. Um, she finally gets to go all out and be eager, um, be the eager girl waiting on her gentleman callers. Um, she says it's for Laura, but she lies. <laughs> the house is all done up and all nice, and she leaves and walks out in this fancy dress, um, specifically the one that she wore for all of her suitors. And she says, now look at your mother. This is the dress in which I led the cantillion. Won the cakewalk twice at Sunset Hill. Wore one spring to the governor's. 
uh, ball and Jackson. See how <laughs> I sashayed across the bro- around the ballroom, Laura. I wore it on Sundays for my gentleman callers. I had it on the day I met your father. I had malaria fever all that spring. Like she just brags about herself. Oh, I was like, my God. Amanda, and that dress you- she's wearing, like. <laughs> When she comes out and Jim is like shocked and like, like Tom oh, is man. like looking at her like, <laughs> what? <laughs> He's embarrassed. Uh, but it's Amanda a is just selfish and she's re- reliving her happier days through but her daughter's But she is hilarious. Day. Like, this she's is supposed hilarious. To, yeah, she is. This is supposed to be <laughs> Laura's day and she makes it all about herself and I'm just, yep. ah! Yeah, I know. I agree. But so I, I ultimately will agree that it's mostly for Amanda. Like Amanda cares. You you have to look at it from this perspective, though. She also does show that she 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 cares because she wants Laura to be well taken care of. Correct. But I, I think the well. dinner in itself and in its presentation. Oh, Laura is such a great cook. Like I'm wearing this and that. It's mainly about her and reliving these like good moments um, of her past. So. The dinner is not what Laura would do. That's clear. What it ends up being is not the way Laura would take it. Obviously, Laura would mm-hmm. hide in her room and like throw up or something. Um, but I think <laughs> the thing that's interesting is that it ends up being good for Laura's confidence a little yeah. bit. Like the original intent of the evening and the way it's organized is all Amanda. It's all Amanda's. However, the eventual moment between Jim and Laura is something that needed to happen. So I think Amanda's pushing it. Um, even if it was mostly inspired by her own self and her own desires, like I think it was ultimately good for Laura. And we can talk more about that moment. I know we're going to have questions, more questions focused on that. Um, but I, I think it ends up being a good thing question mark (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not question mark i'm not entirely sold on it but yeah i know we'll see next question laura and jim do not have a moment together until the final scene of the play but how does their relationship develop in this short amount of time yeah so it develops quickly Mm -hmm. and it goes up and down like a bell curve basically um it's awkward at first you know but then jim open he opens up to her and he opens her up and the reader is so excited for her you know someone that appreciates her and loves her i think that automatically you're like i don't think jim's gonna be right for her but he then like just acts like this awesome guy and yeah. he treats laura like she's he finally noticed. you off your feet too <laughs> yes he freaking does and you know she's finally allowed to come out but then you know the unicorn breaks the laura the uh-huh. unicorn, the mm-hmm. Laura, her 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 horn breaks off because you know that like she's becoming more normalized with each moment conversing with this guy, right? Yep. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about that moment. Uh, they're forming a relationship, and it kind of like breaks her uniqueness. But what what the hell's the point of that? Because you kind of like Jim and Laura together in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jim kisses her which in that moment he gives her something, maybe confidence, maybe self-awareness, maybe the desire for a relationship that she's never had before, that desire to to be loved and to love someone else. Right. And then, as if he freaking forgot, <laughs> he has to leave to get his fiance. <laughs> I was mad, confused. I was left and thrown through a loop. All we're given about Laura is that she's facing a storm. Not that the storm is good or bad. Not that she hates Jim. Right. Nothing. We're given that. And then she gives him the the little glass menagerie. So she gives him a souvenir like he gave her a souvenir. And it is the everything moment. It is 
It is everything that builds up in a relationship over time, um, but it happened so quickly and then it's gone. And I don't know how to parse it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Um, their relationship is built upon old memories of high school together and their conversation and relationship build from there. They go from sitting apart to leaning next to each other, looking at their yearbook, finishing each other's sentences, signing her old theater program that she never had the courage to ask mm-hmm. him to do before, um, her allowing him to hold her most precious glass piece. They're, they dance. Um, it's just, it starts off really slow, but this scene is everything, and it builds up so beautifully. And the spark was lit, and fireworks are going off, and it's just crazy to see how how fast these two create something so beautiful. Yeah, it's so painful though. <laughs> it's like a whole relationship in. Like yes, 10 it really minutes. is, and it's, it's so painful when he's like, "Oh wait, hold the phone. I can't see you anymore." <laughs> I have a fiance. What the hell were you thinking? What the <laughs> This poor what? girl. Like you like you know she's fragile. Why are you doing that to her? I don't know. And you know what? There's a part of me that truly believes maybe that he forgot because why the hell? It's not like he's it's not like he's wooing her so he can have, he can sleep with her later. It's not like right. he's trying to get something out no. of it. He just he talks to her in a sincere way. He kisses her and he leaves. It's and it's also, like, what did you want? Yeah, I think it's also kind of like a ego moment for him too. He's like someone yeah. he's like he he finds someone that remembers the old him. And he gets swept into that again. Yeah. Um, how good he used to be, how much of a star he used to be to his people. He used to be like the top fish in the pond, and now he goes to the whole pond of the world, and now he's just a small little fish. Um, so yeah. he he gets swept into that as well. So I, I think it's Maybe. also part egotistical as well. But next question. We'll get a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yes, moving on. So why is the candlelit conversation so important to Laura's character? So throughout scene seven, their main scene together, we see this charming, charismatic man break down the walls Laura spends so much of her life building up. She melts in his hands. Her shyness is eradicated in his warmth. Um, The voiceover or the stage notes um, even make the make the comment like in playing this scene, it should be stressed that while the incident is apparently unimportant, it is to Laura the climax of her life. This moment is everything to Laura, and the candlelit setting <sighs> generates this overly romantic moment, and it floods her system. Um, she yeah. begins to love herself again, and Jim tries to let her know what being loved feels like so that she will want to love herself and want more of that for herself. Yeah, I feel bad. And like honestly, at first I was like, maybe she's over-romanticizing it, but again, she's not the narrator. No. So I think we're getting exactly what happened, which is like it drives me crazy because it is it's hard the for first... me to believe now that you brought that up, it is hard for me to believe that this might have been what happened because it's not because like you said, it's not told from Laura's perspective. It is it's supposed to be told from from Tom's Tom's memory. And he wasn't there, so I don't know how he's able to piece this together. But regardless. Maybe it's a maybe it's a plot hole. <laughs> but <laughs> still good. Love either it. way. Um it is so this is the first conversation that someone isn't just talking at her. It's mm-hmm. someone asking her about her thoughts and feelings and not making her feel awkward or 
you know, imperfect. It's the first time someone seeks the inner her rather than trying to remold the outer her. And her high school love, who she has put on a pedestal all these years, sort of remembers her. And it's an important moment for her. Like, I don't want to downplay it. This is everything. And I I wonder, the, the thing is, though, I wonder why it's included in this story, because it's supposed to be about Tom. So mm-hmm. it must have been something important enough to put it in that Tennessee Williams wanted to to just like include it as one of the final scenes. Um, I think to me, and you can tell me if you disagree with this, Devin, maybe it gives us hope for Laura's future when he leaves. Like, I I'm not so. sure how I feel. It, it also helps her to learn how to have a social moment in general. It's confusing mm-hmm. and heartbreaking and, and it's everything all swept into this big bell curve of a 10 minutes, basically. But it teaches her something about herself. It gives her confidence that she's never mm-hmm. had before. And I think by the fact that she doesn't hate him by the time he's leaving, by the fact that she gives him <laughs> this part of herself... I don't know what it what it means. I think exactly. she appreciates could, the moment. Yeah, I think she's I don't know if it means she's giving she's up a part. Appreciate. No, I was gonna say like I wonder is it symbolic that she gave a piece of herself to him and she's just gonna be walking around dead for the rest of her life on the inside, or hmm, does it mean that she's thankful for the moment and she'll be confident and maybe she'll find someone else to love her because someone showed her that she can be loved? I don't know. I can't. They don't, don't give know. us enough that's, of that's Laura's really feeling. Yeah, they right. don't give us enough of Laura's inner feeling to understand that. So That's a hard call. Um, wow. Yikes. It really is hard. But moving on. Next question. What is it that causes Jim to kiss Laura? So it happens, but what causes this man to kiss this woman knowing he has a freaking fiance? Ugh. I'm not sure. Like you kind of hit on something that I didn't think about at first with him being a little egotistical. Mm -hmm. But I think more than that, because I think Jim appears to care more. Like he wouldn't ask her questions about himself if it was all about kissing his own ass. I think it's a recognition of a person inside a crippled shell. Jim draws her out. You know, he's studying. He studies. Is it psychology that he studies? He, what was it? He's going public speaking into or something. Public speaking, but also, and he talks about how yes. it like how it teaches him about other people. Correct, how to connect um, to people. Exactly, and, and I don't people. know like if I can call it right, but he he brings her out of herself. He brings her to a new understanding of her self worth, and I think that's why he sees the need to kiss her because he even says before he does it, someone ought to kiss this girl or whatever, mm-hmm. something that he says. Because he, he thinks that she needs to understand that there's something within her that's worth kissing. Mm-hmm. And it confuses her. It enlightens her, I think. I can't quite <laughs> tell. Like we talked about before, we don't really get her feelings on it yeah. other than that there's She's a storm just inside of at her. The end. Yeah. And other than like the souvenir that she gives, that piece of herself, um, we're not really given too much of what she thinks about it. I think... You may have been right, Jim. Jim may have just been swept up in the moment of seeing someone from his past. Um, but I think there is more to Jim than that, as far as the way that he's portrayed. Because why the hell would you have him talking about her self worth and her value and how right. he didn't? I didn't yeah. hear any of the clunking when you were walking by. Like, why would a guy who's just egotistical be talking about all of that? I think they shared a moment of true love, and then he's like, "Shoot, I can't love you because." I love someone else. Like, it may also comment on the fact that, like, people, maybe Williams thinks people can love 
and connect with people more than one person. Right. Like I, I don't know exactly. This is all just stuff that I'm thinking of just off That's the flooding. top of my head right now. <laughs> um, but it, it, this is why this story is so important because although short, it gives you a lot to think about. That's you know? one thing that I love about plays in general is that some of the, especially college plays, they, um, they're chosen to make you think, mm-hmm. to force you to question things that you haven't thought about before. Um, right. I wouldn't call this one necessarily a college play. I think it is beautiful, um, but I do love it. And um, as I said, Jim wants Laura to feel love so desperately. He sees yeah. her beauty when she doesn't see it herself. He sees her strength when she thinks she's weak. And he wants her to find courage and love. He says, yep. That's what I judge to be your principal trouble, a lack of amount of faith in yourself as a person. You don't want to have the proper amount of faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to give her that faith. And when Laura trusts him with her glass set, she in turn puts her trust in him to handle her as her glass menagerie is a symbol for Laura herself. Mm-hmm. Um, he's giving her, she's giving herself up to him. Um, and he knows she's special and not like the masses. Um, he mm-hmm. says they're common as weeds, but you, you're blue roses. Like he sees yep. her value. Um, and the reason uh, for those that don't know, blue roses is a nickname that he always called her in high school because because um, it's an he thought, she was sick with yeah, blue roses and he couldn't and pronounce he, yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he thought she said blue roses and she said blue roses. Like it's kind of a cute story. Cute. I want to hate Jim so badly, but he gave her so much in the moment that mm-hmm. it was like, how can I hate this man? I, know. I don't know. I know. It's hard. But I do hate him. I do hate I him. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So, so next question. What does the future look like for Laura? Will she ever find happiness? Uh, I really hope so. I, This poor girl. I struggle with so her much. because I see how little she believes in herself and my heart goes out to her. But I also get mm-hmm. angry at her for not believing in herself. Like it's a double-edged yeah. sword in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like I hope she finds happiness, but a part of me feels like she will fall back into her little cocoon and spend the rest of her days closed away with her glass menagerie. Maybe Jim didn't help her at all, but only sealed the door to Laura being apart from society. Like, I don't know. Like, did he give her enough hope to encourage her to to try something new? Or did he just, like, put nails into the coffin and, like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I really wish we knew. Uh, it's it's hard unclear. To tell. It's very unclear. I... I think I feel more confident after this moment that she might be okay, but not totally. Like, Mm -hmm. she's left alone in the house with Amanda. Tom is gone. That's not a good scene for her, no matter what happens afterwards. Um, Laura is not Amanda. She has an inner depth, and I think Amanda doesn't have that inner depth. No, she's (laughs) one-sided. Yeah, exactly. She's stuck in her past. So so that's what's happening with Amanda. That's why I have more faith for Laura because she shows more growth in this 10 minutes than Amanda has shown the entire play. Mm-hmm. I have hope for her. Um, I think she has a chance to find happiness, but we're really not given enough to be certain about it. It's either this moment, like you said, will have either opened her up to find love and happiness or will have sealed the coffin shut to her ever finding happiness. Mm-hmm. It is one of those make it or break it moments. And I'm not sure where it will go. It's kind of 50, 50 so and hard. Tom leaving doesn't make it any more certain either. Cause I knew he was going to do that whether or not Jim and Laura happened. So 
it's uncertain, but at the very least, it's more certain that she wouldn't just be stuck in the same droning life if this ever happened, like if this never happened with Jim. I, I don't know. We'll see. But okay, moving on to our last question. Moving on, our final question. Um, has their ship sailed or sunk? Do we ship it? <sighs> Obviously, not totally, because Jim's kind of a jerk. And he has a fiance, so like obviously we can't ship it. Um, But I think he's good for her in a way. Mm -hmm. Like I think he's kind to her, and it doesn't seem to. It doesn't seem like he's just trying to get something from her, like a lot of other people are. He doesn't seek a sexual relationship or anything. I think he legitimately had a moment with her where he wanted to bring her out. I want to help you. It seems like that, and he didn't seem well intended, or he he didn't seem. The problem I have with it is he didn't seem well intended enough for her. Mm -hmm. I'm uncertain about where I fall because I sort of ship it if he wasn't with someone else, obviously, but I can't be certain about whether or not he would have been perfect for her. All I know is I had a moment where I was like, oh my God, finally someone loves this girl. Get her a ring. (laughs) And then he left. So I don't know. know. What do you think, Devin? Sadly, no, but I really wish I could. Dang it. Um, as the audience member, you get so caught up in the beauty of their relationship. And Jim pulls the rug out from under Laura so quick. And yeah. I'm just disappointed. Um, but no, he I don't think he deserves her. I don't um, think so either. It it it's painful to see happen because it's so beautiful, but yeah. He doesn't he doesn't make the final decision to be like we both need because i feel like even jim needs her in some respect oh Um, yes i feel like he needs to be reminded about who he was so that he can be something um and he wants to be something he wants to he has plans to like join the um, radio um like that's what he's taking classes for because that's going to be like a huge thing and he wants to be something but he doesn't know the process of it but Laura reminds him about who he is and like Mm -hmm. builds him up. So I think that they both need each other. Sadly, it doesn't work. I know it's sad, (laughs) (laughs) but here we are anyway, the glass menagerie, an American, just horrifically sad tale, but here we are standing nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But thank you Williams for making us think. Love it. So, Now we are on to an audience comment that we got uh, about the Glass Menagerie. And this one is from Thomas. So let's (laughs) read this comment from Thomas. Thank you for reaching out. I'm not sure how I feel about Jim. He's a tough one to read. Of course, Glass Menagerie is not all about Jim and Laura. I think it's more about Tom. However, Tennessee Williams includes this scene between the two in a pretty detailed way. So I think it's important to look at these two. Jim really awakens something in Laura, but I'm not sure if his intention was really good. That's why I can't say that I fully ship them. Yeah. And obviously they don't end up together, but for their brief moment, they have a very deep connection in those few minutes um, than many couples have in a lifetime. Jim sees Laura and gives her a chance to see herself as something worth loving, and I think he changes things for her. I wish we could see them play out, maybe a couple of dates or something, and it would make it easier to place if they're good together, but they don't have that. This is all we get. So I can't say if, you know, they have a moment of real love, 
But at least it teaches Laura something, so much so that she gives a piece of her beloved menagerie to him. So that's something to think about. Yes. Thank you, Tom, oh, for cool. your comment. I, I think it's a, a neat thing to think about. And I think it is important that we do think about how, how tough it was for Laura to give that up to Jim. Yeah. I think that does comment on the moment's sincerity, right. at least. She could have been heartbroken, but instead she's like, no, I want you to have a piece of me. Right. Go, she could have to just told with. him, get the F out, man. But yeah. she did not. <laughs> but awesome. Thank you, Tom, for sending that in. Um, we love hearing from the audience. That's really the whole point of doing this. So please, if you have any ideas or want to join for a show or have comments, please send them in. Yes, our email is weshipitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media or you can find us on our website at www.weshipitpodcast.wixsite.com slash weshipit. Um, and you can find us on YouTube too. Lots of ways that you can connect with us. So many. But you should do it because we want to hear from you. Um, and before we move on, I want to quickly announce our next episode so you guys can send Gasp. in your comments. Um, we are excited to announce that we will be talking about the drum roll, <laughs> Augustus and Hazel from The Fault in Our Stars. If you guys have any thoughts about this incredibly sad but beautiful couple, send them in. Yes, we would love, love, love to hear from you. Thank you all so much. Indeed. And we've reached the end. Thank you for listening. Continue to go on living in the world of your own, even if it's a world of little glass ornaments. Uh-huh. We love you guys. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Bye.